Well, hello, my friend. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are starting your week with me. Here it is Monday and so excited about all that happened this past week. And today on the broadcast, I want to talk to you about desires. As a matter of fact, I've entitled the message today, Desires, Desires, Desires. You know, the Bible talks often about the word desires. Somebody said, actions speak louder than words, but desires speak loudest. So we're going to look at this subject. We're going to be looking at it from Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. But, you know, I have a hunch. And my hunch is that you already desire God's presence. I mean, after all, you wouldn't be listening to a Christian podcast or a Christian radio broadcast if you didn't have a desire for God's presence. So when you think about desire, picture yourself walking around the shopping mall, maybe the Greenbrier Mall or Pembroke Mall. And as you're walking around the mall, you're looking at all the people and you see all the window displays and suddenly you get a whiff of cinnamon. Well, you weren't hungry, but now you're starting to crave a cinnamon roll. This craving isn't something that you made up. There you are, minding your own business, and then all of a sudden, these drifting molecules of sugar and butter, uh, they collide with cinnamon, and all of a sudden, your nose unsuspectingly gets a whiff of that aroma, and you have a real encounter with cinnamon. Now, it's not a delusion. It's not even an emotional projection. This is the real thing. And what is the effect? You want a cinnamon bun. That's what you want. You may not even been hungry for it up to that point, but all of a sudden when you smelled that cinnamon, you craved or you desired a cinnamon bun. You know, the same is true with the presence of God in our lives. Maybe you're listening to this broadcast today and uh, you're not even sure why you're listening to it. And all of a sudden, something is going to grab your attention, and I'm going to pray that God will allow your desires to lead your life, your godly desires. You know, the Bible talks so many times about the word desire. There's actually nine different words in the Bible used for desire. In the New Testament, there's six different Greek words that are used for the word desire. And so when we look at Romans chapter 10, Paul uses one specific word for desire that he doesn't use anywhere else. It's a word that Jesus used when he looked out and he saw his people were scattered, and he talks about the desire that he had for the house of Israel, that they would be saved. Well, you know, Paul has the same desire. Let's read the text in Romans chapter 10, and uh, the word that he uses here, I'm reading it in the New Living Translation, so it's going to be the word longing, but in the NIV and in the King James, it uses the word desire, and Paul says, my brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, we could say the desire of my heart, and the prayer to God is for the people of Israel that they may be saved. Now, I told you that Paul used a, a unique word here. And this word that he's using is a word that can only be used for something good. You know, we use that word desire. It can have positive connotations or it can have negative connotations. Like if I desire something like going into the ministry, if that's an ambition that you have, that's a good desire that you have. If you love your wife and you want to desire to be with her, that's a good desire, right? But it can also be something that is twisted and becomes not a godly desire, not a good desire, but rather to lust after somebody. 
Jesus says, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already. So if you have this desire for a woman who is not your wife and you're lusting after her, that is a bad desire. That is an evil desire. Well, the word that Paul uses here, talking about the desire of his heart, is a word that is only used positively. And he says, this is what moves me. This is what motivates me. He says, my heart's desire is that the people of Israel will be saved. In verse number two, and he says, I know what enthusiasm my people have for God, but it is a misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. You know, the Bible speaks about desire in this context of wanting good things, something that God would want us to have. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 that we should set our affections, that is, set our desires on the things above and not the things on the earth. So today and tomorrow, I want to look at this subject of desire, and I want to define what it means. I want to talk to you about how we can have desires that are godly desires, what happens when we follow evil or the desires to lust, and then we're going to conclude our time by talking about how this really applies to our lives. So let's go back to the English word desire. It goes all the way back to the 1300s. It is a craving or a yearning. It's an emotion that is directed toward attainment or possession of an object. It can also be a sensual appetite. It could be a physical drive. It can be lust. These words all mean the same thing as far as a desire. It's a longing for something. Well, I told you at the beginning of the broadcast that actions speak louder than words but desires speak the loudest. So we should pursue the desires that God gives us. We should be pursuing relationships that God wants us to be be pursuing. But this desire should be driving us toward excellence in everything that we do. Excellence in the way we work, excellence in the way we drive, excellence in the way that we even rest, and even excellence in how we handle issues of stress or worry. When we authentically pursue what we are convinced will bring us pleasure, then we will follow that desire. Now, let's look what Paul is dealing with, okay? In Romans chapter 10, Paul is heartbroken. What's his heart broken over? He is broken over his Jewish friends. Heartbroken because his former Pharisee friends rejected Christ. Now, he already shared that he was willing to have his name removed from the land's book of life in a previous chapter. That's how much he loved them. And now, as he's looking at his people, and as we're looking at a general reason as to why people do not receive the gospel and why people don't get saved, there's two reasons. Number one is ignorance of the gospel. They just don't know how much God loves them. They don't know that Jesus paid for their sins. They're ignorant of that. And so later on in this chapter, chapter number 10 of Romans, Paul is going to drive home the point that there's some who are ignorant of the gospel because nobody is sent and preached to them. And he says, how will they hear unless somebody tells them? 
how will they know unless somebody preaches the gospel to them? So there's many people that are ignorant to the gospel. That's where our job is. You know, Jesus said, there's two primary things you got to worry about. Number one, you carry out my commission. That is sharing the gospel, making disciples wherever you go. Number two is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Those are the two things that the Lord asks us to do. Carry out the commission, give the gospel, love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Paul is looking and he's seeing so many of his people are ignorant of the gospel. And he's going to explain to them why it is so urgent for them to understand what the gospel is all about. There's a second reason that people reject the gospel. Really, it's a spirit of rebellion. Oh, they know the gospel. They're too prideful to humble themselves to receive the gospel. And so they reject this free gift of salvation. And it's out of a rebellious heart. You know, there's only one sin that God won't forgive. You can commit adulteries to go to heaven. You can commit a whole host of sins and still go to heaven. It's not technically our sins that keep us out of heaven because Jesus paid the price for our sins. What technically keeps us out of heaven? Blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Rejecting the free gift of salvation. Refusing to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be the God of your life, and and God says, okay, if you want to be large and in charge, that's up to you. I'll let you do that, but you won't inherit everlasting life. The only sin that keeps you out of heaven is rejecting the free gift of salvation, rejecting the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about where human desires will lead us. Well, first of all, I think if you follow your human desires, you're going to be leading a life of disobedience to God and deception. Now, I want to look at a passage in the book of James. James tells us in James 1.14, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So there's that word desire. James is reminding us that when we fall into sin, it's not because the devil made me do it. It's not because my wife made me do it. It's not even because my mother-in-law made me do it. It's not because I was tempted by a co-worker. Whenever I fall into sin, whenever I'm tempted and I fall into sin, I am dragged away by my own evil desires and enticed. And then James says, after the desire is conceived, it brings birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. But then he says something else. Don't miss verse 16, okay? James 1.16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. James wants us to understand that if we follow our evil desires, it will lead us to a life of deception and disobedience to God. So listen, if we follow our godly desires, the light comes on. We're no longer deceived. Human desires will drag us away to evil desires. It's feeding of the flesh. It's not the feeding of the spirit. John Piper says that sin, the sin of lust, for example, gets its power by persuading me to believe that I'll be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. Oh, it may begin to make you feel happy. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but after that, the judgment. Benjamin Franklin said, you know, it's easier to suppress that first desire than to satisfy all that follow. Oh, listen, 
Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Human desires lead to deception. Here's the second thing that we must understand when it comes to human desires. Not only do they cause us to be disobedient to God, but they also cause us to distort or pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is. And our lives become a life of license and immorality. I'm going to give you a verse in Jude. The whole book of Jude was written for the purpose of correcting false doctrine that had crept into the church. Now, how do we know false doctrine had crept into the church? Because there was immorality within the church. Let me just read it for you. Okay, there's only one short chapter in Jude. Verse number four says this. Certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They're ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality, and they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Jude is reminding us here of something that is fundamentally important when it comes to understanding our desires. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, and you still are craving the desire of a lifestyle of immorality, Jude tells us that you have denied Jesus Christ, that you haven't received that free gift of salvation. Because when a person is genuinely born again, their lives are radically changed. Oh, I'm not saying that they are sinless, but I'm telling you one thing, that desires change. Oh, they may still trip up and fall from time to time, but the desires of their heart is to please Christ and not to please the flesh. Jude reminds us that if you follow those human desires, you're going to be living a life of perversion that will turn the grace of God into a license for immorality. Oh, my friends, I want you to know that if you will give your human desires over to Christ, He will give you the desires of your heart. He will change the direction of your desires. So as we look at understanding human desires versus godly desires, maybe the best way to help us to understand this is by looking at an Old Testament king, a guy by the name of Solomon. Now, you know that Solomon was the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth outside of Jesus Christ. Why and how did he get so wise? Well, we have a glimpse into that in 2 Chronicles chapter number 1. We discover that God looks at Solomon, and he actually has a conversation with Solomon. 2 Chronicles 1.11, it says that God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, right? God gave him an offer that Solomon could have anything that he wanted. So Solomon, instead of asking for wealth, instead of asking for possessions, instead of asking for honor, or even asking for his enemies to be killed, what does he do? He says, Lord, I need your wisdom, not just for my sake. I need your wisdom so that I know how to govern your people, the one that you have made me king over. Solomon is acknowledging his shortness and his wisdom, and he's lacking that know-how, and he says, Lord, this is what I need more than anything else. I need you to guide me. I need you to fill me with your wisdom. And you know, because Solomon did that, God threw in all the things that he wanted, really. I mean, God threw in the wealth, God threw in the honor, God took care of his enemies. But you know, the heart's desire, 
Since your heart's desire, God says, is not for wealth, not for possession of honor, since your heart's desire is for wisdom on how to govern my people, I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to throw in the wealth there. See, the main thing cannot be power, prestige, wealth. The main thing is honoring God in everything I do. So if you follow human desires, you could be living a life of deception. You know the dangerous thing about living a life of deception? You don't realize you're living a life of deception. I mean, after all, if you were not deceived, you'd make some changes in your life. But if you're following human desires, you are going down that path of deception. It's only when you surrender your desires to desires of Christ that you're able to be set free from deception. And secondly, we learn that as we follow human desires, we are living a life of perversion. And then number three, if you follow human desires, there's something that you're going to face. It's the condemnation of God. You say, man, I thought there is no condemnation. I thought that Jesus didn't come to judge. I thought that he came to save the world. Well, Peter says this in 2 Peter 3, 7, by the same word, the present heavens and earths are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. He said, well, maybe Peter didn't quite get it right here. What does Jesus say about this subject? Well, let's turn to John chapter 3. And as we look at John chapter 3, we know verse 16 very well, but we also need to read verses 17, 18, and 19. Let me just read them to you, and then I'll make a few comments about them. Verse 17, Jesus is speaking, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So here we see that those who do not face the condemnation of God are those who have been born again. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 8, and he says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We could also read that verse to say, there is condemnation to those who are not in Christ Jesus. This is exactly what Jesus is saying in John chapter 3. He's saying that here is the verdict, that you love your darkness rather than light because your deeds are evil. I guess you could say that we are facing the condemnation of God because we are rejecting the light that he gives us. And as a result of rejecting that light, we reject it because our deeds are evil. In other words, we love our sin more than we love the Savior. In Proverbs 10, 24, it says, What the wicked dread will overtake them. What the righteous desire will be granted. Oh, I beg of you today, don't follow human desires. Follow God's desires for your life. And you'll discover that your life takes on a whole new meaning, a whole new level of purpose. And you'll discover that you'll be walking in light, not in darkness. Oh, there's something else that we've got to look at. There's a fourth thing that happens to us when we follow human desires instead of following godly desires. We talked about being deceived. We talked about living a life of perversion. We talked about being condemned by God. But there's one other thing that happens to us. If we continue to follow our human desires and we die following our human desires, we will actually be separated from God. 
Revelation chapter 20 says that death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the fire, and it's the fire from God. Separation from God. You know, that's a sad place to be, being separated from God. Listen, God loves you so much that he was separated from his son, and his son died on the cross for your sins. And the reason he did that is so that you will never be separated from his father. You know, you can have an everlasting life, an everlasting relationship with Jesus, and you can have an everlasting relationship with God if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know, as we get into this part of the message, there's two words that I think of, but God. All of us were born to follow our human desires. We are by nature sinful people. We follow the desires of our hearts because we are by nature sinful people. But God, God does something about that. Romans chapter 5, it says that when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for those who follow human desires. And Paul says, you know, for scarcely for a righteous man one will die. Maybe for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. John Newton wrote the, that famous hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. John Newton was, prior to conversion, was a slave trader. And he spent his entire life buying and selling humans. He was saved and he was radically saved and, and his life changed and he was overwhelmed by the grace of God. That's why when he wrote that song, Amazing Grace, he couldn't think of another word for grace other than amazing. And he says, when I was young, I was sure of many things. Now there are only two things of which I am sure. One is that I am a miserable sinner. And the other, that Christ is an all-sufficient Savior. And then he says, he is well-taught who has learned these two lessons. Well, please join me tomorrow. I know that we've been on the negative part of following human desires today, being separated from God and living a life in which we are facing the condemnation of God and, and living a life of perversion and a life that involves being deceived by God. But the good news is, is this, you don't have to keep going down that path. When the Lord sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And I want to encourage you to join me tomorrow because we're going to talk about what happens when I follow godly desires. What happens when I receive the free gift of salvation? How does my life change? How does my desires change? What is the benefit that I receive because I'm a follower of Christ? When you became saved, Augustine said that, God created us without our help, but he'll not save us without our consent. If you'd like to be saved right now, all you got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I pray right now that you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you'll recognize that you're a sinner, that you'll humble yourself and say, Lord, I need some help. My sin has taken me to a place that I don't want to go. My life is out of control. My, my whole life is unmanageable now. And I realize I've made a wreck of things, but I know that Jesus died on the cross 
for my sins and that he was buried and that he rose again. And today I want to put my faith and trust in him. And you just pray a simple prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I by faith receive you as my savior and I want to be born again. Listen, when that happens, you are born again. A simple little prayer of faith. Now listen, if I can help you in understanding how to have a relationship with Christ, shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. Man, I'd love to help you on your journey in this wonderful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing your godly desires to guide you. Well, please join me tomorrow as we look at part two of Desires, Desires, Desires. I'm going to speak with you again on this same text, Romans 10, 1 through 4, and we're talking about the benefits of allowing my desires to be controlled by Christ. Oh, I so appreciate you being with me today, and I want to invite you to come to Hickory Ridge Community Church. Join us any Sunday. 9 o'clock or 1045. We have programs for the children. We have nursery. Uh, We have a youth Sunday school class during our second hour. Love to have you come worship with us one weekend. I hope to see you on Sunday. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.